0: Welcome back to the Eagles High School Football Podcast, or High School Sports Podcast, excuse me. We just talk a lot about football these days. Um, thanks thanks uh, to the Brian High School Band for that intro. It's something we're going to try to be starting here using more uh, audio to, to use for our intro from, from local bands. So uh, if, you, if you're in a local band uh, in, our, in our coverage area and you hear this, prod your, your band directors to, to send me some stuff. Uh, for that drum line, band, full band, whatever, we'll we'll try to make it work. Uh, but thank you to Brian for that intro. Uh, before we get into the nitty gritty of football here, the for week two and then into week three, uh, we do have a little bit of news to talk about. Consol um, Junior, I believe, Drakavian Minor, his appeal uh, to for eligibility at Consol was denied today. He transferred from Rudder in the middle of last school year. Uh, So he will be eligible to compete in athletics. uh, Lee Fedora said he thinks it's December 12th, uh, but it's right around that time when he enrolled last year at Consol. Um, So that's kind of the the big thing that happened today, which is Wednesday. Um, So if you're hearing that Thursday, it's, it's a day old. But another big thing this week, practices are opening for 5A and 6A and TAP schools. So that's every school here in Bryan College Station, pretty much. Bryan, Consol College Station, Rudder, Allen Academy, St. Joseph, and wow, Brazos Christian. There we go. I can't uh, blank for some reason there, but uh, all of our schools are now practicing. I know everybody opened up on Monday except St. Joseph and uh, Brazos Christian. They started Tuesday, uh, and everybody else was a go on Labor Day, and just getting out and talking to the coaches on Monday you could just tell everybody was ready to go everybody was ready to to be in helmets and and start getting used to it and, and ramp up to the season so that's that's kind of the storyline here is you know everybody's just ready to get going again uh, and I know Abigail you you did stuff on volleyball which is starting practice this week too what did what did you find yeah
1: they started on Monday too um You know, unlike football who like couldn't do pads or helmets until this week, volleyball has been pretty much able to practice this entire summer with the skill specific workouts. They've been doing two hours a day since August 3rd. Um, So, you know, talking to the coaches, they're excited to have another team on the other side of the net that's not themselves um, playing against each other all summer, I think is kind of waning down now. Um, But, you know, they set up, they're pretty much prepared as prepared as they can be, um, you know, working out this summer and obviously this fall, um, you know, coaches said that they've had maybe even more time to get prepared for this season. So it should be good. I think, like you said, Jeff, like football's ready, volleyball's so ready to get started, um, and they start scrimmages actually on Friday. So it'll be getting started pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. kind of where I was going with it. Was like you—you you got scrimmages coming up like this weekend, and yeah. just started, and then games start Monday. Real matches. So yeah. volleyball is getting into it quick. Football, not quite as quick because you need more time to to get ramped up. But even by their standards, that was kind of what the coaches were telling me too. Is like you know it's it's go time because we've got we've got scrimmages next week. I know College Station's playing Temple. Uh, Consal's playing. Uh, I think Colleen Ellison, Ellison. Brian Rudder and Brian are scrimmaging. And that's all happening like Thursday, Friday timeframe of next week. And then the following week is, is the start of the season for them. So, you know, normally they have like a full month of practice before, before game, the game start counting. But, you know, you only, I think Ezar said it's like what, 20 days uh yeah. <laughs> maybe even less than that. I think the 7th to like what the 24th is when when the UIL season starts. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's going to it's going to come real fast and we'll just kind of see how teams are adjusting to that. Um so yeah, it should be real interesting. Yeah. But in the meantime, we do have uh 1A and 4A still going strong uh and we'll get to it at the end, but we got some new teams coming in as well to the fray that have been either haven't started yet or um unexpectedly haven't started yet in the case of Iola and we'll again we'll get to that but last week a lot of really interesting games I don't think I I just remember seeing the scores and going well that's not how I saw that going that's not how that I saw that going I think we all finished kind of like in our picks last week I think we all finished kind of a mediocre nine and six so at this point none of us knows what we're doing um so you know so it's just you, you play it by ear um but Abigail, we'll we'll kind of throw it yeah. to you. What, what uh, in your game that you covered last week? What stood out to you?
1: Yeah. Well, I did not expect the game that I went to. I thought Madison for, for sure was going to kind of blow Liberty out of the water. Um, Liberty hadn't played in week one because they lost that game because of Hurricane Laura. Um, so they were coming in. This is their first game of the season. I thought they were going to have a trouble. You know, have trouble getting their defense prepared for. Armando Juarez and Madisonville's kind of rushing game, but ended up being the complete opposite. I mean, Liberty stopped Juarez. They knew he was the main guy for for Madisonville, and they really did everything that they could to stop him. He was stopped multiple times at around like the three-yard line, you know, which could have been two big scores for Madisonville. They ended up losing, obviously, 23 to 10. Um, But that really, I mean, it was really surprising, obviously, after having that week one where their offensive offense seemed to be untouchable. They were doing really well. Um then to come into this week and to kind of see um how they could be stopped in the future in district and things like that. Um, so I don't know if that surprised y'all as much as it did me, but um that really was something I did not expect in this week.
0: Yeah, no that was, was for sure. Um would you in talking to Urbanki after the game, what what did he kind of have to say about how their offense did?
1: Yeah, he said, you know, obviously those big stops that Liberty had on, you know, on the, you know, right there um, in front of the end zone. Um, obviously, you know, he said that he told the kids that's, you know, that that's what dictates whether you win or lose right there, even if you just make one of those. Um, and he said, you know, I asked him if, if he, you know, if they ever thought of maybe, you know, running somebody else other than Morris, because it seemed like they kept going with him. Um, for, you know, to get to inch closer and it was just not working. He was getting stopped every time. Um, and he said that they kept going with him because he was, he had the freshest legs. He wasn't playing on defense and his, you know, their other two rushers were playing both offense and defense. So he said that, you know, he did have the freshest legs in a sense and they did keep stopping him. But, um, you know, war is really tough. And I think they, they tried to just keep pushing that way. Uh, again, yeah it'll be interesting to see
0: how that kind of goes moving forward um you know i think it's still a little bit a little bit of a ways till district so got some time yeah. to figure that out and i think you're facing similar questions uh if you're snook which might be one of the better O and two teams in the district or not in the area and you know i, I know boom patterson that's not exactly what he wants to hear at this point but you know, they played Caldwell, really tough week one, uh, almost came back and tied that game, lost 28-26, just needed that two-point conversion. And then last week, Snook really showed what it could do on defense. They held Thorndale out of the end zone, at least their offense, completely all game long. They, Thorndale ended up winning 6-0. The Bulldogs, of course, the 10th ranked team in 2A Division One As of last week, I, I – haven't looked at the rankings this week yet, yeah. um, but I imagine, I don't know if they would have fa- even, I don't think they would have fallen from the rankings just, just because <laughs> they won six to zero. Um, but yeah, no, they, they completely kept them out of the end zone offensively. It was a special teams play, a blocked, blocked punt, cut recovered in the end zone was the only points of the whole game. Um, so yeah, Snook, I think the lost two games against either, uh, you know, really highly ranked opponents kind of in their own classification level. I think they're 2A Division II, so technically Thorndale's above them, but pretty similar in size. Um, And then again, played Caldwell, which is, you know, in 3A Division I, so kind of a bit ahead of them in classification, and they played them really tough. So I think Snook is one of those teams that can benefit just by, you know, getting into district and playing teams that it's familiar with, teams that you know, are, are at their level because, you know, we've seen that they can compete with teams above their classification uh, and, and good teams as yeah. well. Um, but one thing, again, I remember last week we were talking, A- Abigail, you said that Patterson was looking to clean up the penalties. That was the big takeaway that he wanted from week one. And that did not happen in week two. I don't, I don't know the numbers from week one, but I would guess it probably got worse um, because I think it was like 12 penalties for over a hundred yards in week two. A lot of those were kind of after the play on sportsmanlike conduct, just frustration penalties uh, where, you know, you kind of, you know, you can't let it get the best of you because, you know, if you do, then that's going to hurt your team. And we kind of saw that. And that's what, that's what Patterson said was, you know, I don't, really mind the holding penalties so much like yeah we don't want those either but you know we, we I don't mind it when they're giving effort and then that kind of happens that's much better than you know when we let things get to us and we lose our cool and then we're instead of a third and five we're now in a third and 25 or a third and third and 20 so I think that was what hurt Snook the most because every time there was lots of good field position for both teams in that game. And both teams did a really good job of keeping that from, keeping them from scoring despite that. Uh, But you know, there was a a long touchdown run from Snook called back on a holding. And then there was another big long first down play that got called back by a holding um, that was then compounded by another penalty that was added on after the play. And so then you know, third and five, which turns into a first and 10 inside Thorndale territory is now third and 30 something like way deep in Snook territory. So that, that was basically the name of the game uh, for the Blue Jays. And if they can get that stuff cleaned up, I, uh, I saw a very talented defense and an offense that was off its game against a really, another really good defense. So I think Snook is a team that can surprise if they can get some of those things cleaned up for sure. And Alex, what uh, you you were manning the the Twitter station, kind of shooting to to all the different games and and keeping our readers informed that way. What what did you observe from the cloud of of week two?
2: So there were there were three kind of area games that stuck out to me. First, hey Centerville, we talked about them last week. How are they going to respond after? And the Tigers went out and. They were dominant. They beat uh, Corrigan Camden 42-0, to and that, that's a pretty impressive showing to go out and do that against Corrigan Camden. So this week they play Thorndale, who Snook almost beat last week. So can Centerville kind of keep that up? Uh, that's kind of the question for them this week. Can they, can they follow up a big win with another one? Uh, Rockdale didn't skip a beat. Kobe Mitchell's day our player of the week. Uh, uh, his big performance. I mean, he was almost perfect. He was 17 of 18. He had one incompletion, which was an interception. So technically, it was still a completion. <laughs> it was still caught. <laughs> Threw for 295 yards. um Rockdale dominant win over Taylor. We expected them to beat Taylor though. And Cameron, they lost a shootout to Belleville. Very exciting game. I actually watched that game on my laptop uh, live stream. Part. Rule that you can uh, live stream football games on Friday night. I got to watch a little bit from home, and Belleville offense was rolling with Richard Reese. He ran for 344 yards and seven touchdowns. That's that's a astronomically high number. Um, so Cameron dropped that to four a Belleville. Tough loss for them, but yeah, that's just kind of the quick hitters from what I noticed from home last Friday.
0: Yeah, I think that Cameron game is – if you're Cameron, obviously you're not going not gonna to panic over that. Uh, again, a 4A team and, and a good 4A team in Belleville at that. Um, you know, we've seen them over the last decade or so in districts with – I think Caldwell was in a district with them for a while. And uh, it's, it's a team that we see because they played some of our area – other area 4A teams in the past. And like I said, always a really solid 4A program there. So the sky's not falling in Cameron but it does kind of bring back shades of a couple of years ago when the Yeomen kind of had an off season. I think they finished near 500, still made the playoffs, uh, but a down season by Cameron standards. And their big trouble that season was they really struggled to stop the run. So that 344 yards by Richard Reese uh, is not a good sign. It's something they're going to be working on in practice. I can guarantee you this week, uh, stopping the run. Um, but Yeah, no, I think those three games you hit right on it. Those were some of the ones that were some of the more interesting and and some of the more telling ones, especially that that Rockdale one. You know, Taylor, obviously not a super team by any means, but, you know, Kobe Mitchell came in in his first start, took care of business, uh, and kept that going. So it's just another step for him. Now we'll see what he can do. Uh, And, again, we'll get to this in just a little bit against uh, a really, really good Lexington team as well. Uh, Abigail, what what uh, what did you kind of draw from some of those games that Alex mentioned?
1: Yeah, you know, like you mentioned, Cameron, um, they're playing Franklin this week. Um, I'm going to go out and cover that. Um, looking at the stats, if you just looked at their game, I mean, you would have thought that they have won. I mean, they still had great stats, um, nothing against them. I know um, Zane Dinar. Uh, you know, he threw for 183 yards and three touchdowns. Um, and they had a really good receiver in Fibin. Fimum? Am I might be pronouncing F- that wrong? F- right? Fabian. Is it Fabian? Fabian? I think it's Fabian. Yes, yeah. 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 He had 115 rushing, also had two touchdowns. Um, so, very strong team. I mean, even though they lost, it's not something to be, like you said, Jeff, ashamed of, you know, it was a really good game and they're going to for sure do Um, have confidence going into Franklin this season. Um, You know, Franklin didn't get to play last week. They had to cancel a game against Hearn. So it'll really be interesting to see, you know, Cameron coming in um, after having that great game uh, last week and um, really seeing, you know, if, if they could stop Franklin um, in the two quarterbacks, they have rushing um, last, you know, Two weeks ago, they, you know, weighed in Washington, rushed for almost 250 yards. Um, so really strong people in the backfield there um, to see if they can stop them that way. Um, but yeah, I thought that Cameron game was really nice. Um, Navasota had a big win over Sealy, too. Um, you know, we talked about earlier that they're going to have a tough season after that Wharton game. Um, they're going to have a tough slate. And they sure showed that they, you know, at least were able to do it against Sealy. Um, they have Mejia this week. I know we're going to talk about
0: that later, but, um, you know, um should be good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jesse, like we – the quarterback there, uh, you want to – is there, like, feedback that I'm hearing?
1: No, I don't hear. Okay, I'll
0: I'll try to talk a little bit – a, a okay. little bit softer. Kind of a loud mouth over here. But um, we know that uh, junior Jamar Jesse, the quarterback at Navasota, has – you know, kind of started his starting career, so to, so to speak. His, his yeah. reign as the leader of the Navasota offense really well, two really solid to great performances uh, to go. And, you know, that Sealy score, I'm not gonna say it was a blowout, but I feel yeah. like the game was a little bit more lopsided than the 33 to 28 score, because it looked like the updates that Navasota pretty consistently had a two score cushion against Sealy pretty much throughout that whole game. Uh, and then Sealy scored a, a late touchdown or maybe even two uh to kind of close that gap a little bit more um, and yeah, like you said uh Mejia, next week we saw that they had a really close game in week one against Cameron, which Cameron came out and won uh so you know Mahia has a, a lot of talent as well um and i think I think this is going to be more of a defensive battle if we're basing it off of what Maha did with Cameron because I think that score was twenty one to sixteen i think at this point we've kind of transitioned into week three so we'll kind of go (laughs) we'll kind of just go with it um i have Navasota Mejia, so i think we'll we'll kind of take that right now um we saw what they did against cameron Mejia, that is the black cats uh really defensive game you don't really see that too much uh in texas high school football anymore uh you know, as I think the 54 to 41 is a little bit more characteristic than, than 21 to 16. Um, and so I think the interesting thing will be to see if that was more of a kind of week one getting used to things or if we're in for more of a defensive battle. Um, but, you know, everything seems to be clicking on all cylinders for the Rattlers right now. And that that bodes well, uh, as again, we've talked about how their schedule just gets harder and harder and harder. Uh, and they've got a brutal district to get through. So these these really, these really tough non-district games uh, will be really helpful for them, especially if they keep competing and winning in them.
1: Yeah, like you said, Jeff, last week, Navasota pretty much has to lead the whole time. Um, Cameron ended up having to come back in that Mejia game and kind of have a second-half surge a little bit to, to get that win. Um, and I think if, if Navasota is able to stay on track, continue to start strong, I think, um, they should be fine against the Mejia, the Mejia team. I think, you know, Cameron obviously had to, they ended up scoring a few times in the second half, but I think Navasota's gonna have no problem having that um, strong first half and to answer back any of Mejia's mm-hmm. scoring. So um, it should be a good game, but I think Navasota is gonna, uh, you know, I take this one again.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's not a bad pick at all. Uh, you know, we just we've seen they've answered the bell at every point, and that offense is just so multiple. They don't rely on just one thing. Jesse can run the ball, uh, he can pass the ball. Randall coming in uh, was the headliner on that. The, uh, the Darius Randall, the running back, was the headliner mm-hmm. coming into the season, and uh, he's had two really good games uh, so far this season. Kind of what we expected from him. I think over 100. I think over 100 yards both times. Over 150 the first game for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got their receivers are young or at least a little bit inexperienced. Uh, but you know they looked good in week one, put up some stats again in week two. Uh, Xavier Steptoe, I think, John Henry maybe uh, the names escape me at the moment. But they've got a talented group of wide receivers. I can tell you from from watching them. Um, And yeah, so I think that pretty much tells the tale of the tape for Navasota. I think their defense will continue to get tested as the offenses get better as well. But again, 28 points against Sealy and 13 against Wharton, and really that was seven with a last minute, with a last second hail mary at the end of the week one game in the fourth quarter. So uh, I just think they're a team that has been probably besides probably them and Rockdale, I would say, and Lexington have been the most consistent teams like from quarter one to quarter four over weeks one and two I would say and so Abigail we've kind of talked a little bit about your game so far you'll be at Cameron Franklin which should be one of the top games in the entire in the entire area this this week along with Lexington and Rockdale
1: yeah, it should be a good one, um, fingers crossed. But um, I know last, you know, in week one, I know Alex covered this game, so you might be able to help me out with this a little bit. But they did, you know, front struggled a little bit on offense, trying to get those conversions after coming back um, in the fourth quarter there, and they weren't uh, able to do that. Um, but the defense really is going to need to kind of come in this game and, and own it. I know talking to Coach Vannon, um, a little bit this week you know a big focus for them on the defensive side of things even with the returners that they have um is having a motor and being able to stick throughout the game you know not losing focus um thing with staying with it and I know after that first week one game um loss against Lorena they really wanted to uh, decrease the penalties and the big plays that Lorena was able to get in there um which forced them to try to come back at the end and and unfortunately wasn't able to. Um, so we looking out for the defense to kind of step it up this game against Cameron. Um, but also talking to Coach Fannin, he really is putting a lot of focus on the special teams. Um, I know Alex, you were there, so you might be able to speak to this more, but um, you know, they, they didn't get the, the onside kick that they tried to get at the end. Um, Lorraine ended up getting possession of that. So um, he said that they really want to focus on special teams. and. Um, Kind of teaching the guys that it's more than just offense or defense winning games. It could be the special teams who come in at the end and really seal the deal.
2: Yeah, and you know, one thing that hurt Franklin in that game in the opener was they missed the PAT on the first touchdown that they scored on their opening drive. And that kind of put them behind when Lorena made its comeback. And then at the end, they felt like they needed to go confident to kick that extra point, or maybe they were just going for the win. but, you know, if they can kind of figure that – they've had time to figure out uh, what to do at kicker and get the things cleaned up, you know, if, if it's close and they need to get an onside kick, you know, they've had a chance to sit sit down and walk through, like, what to do in that situation to make sure that you can execute it when you need to. Uh, those are very rare instances that you can kick. And more often than not, you need to get it, then you <laughs> don't <laughs> – So, um, we'll see how Franklin responds. Um, They've had they got that week off last week because their game against Hearn got canceled. So this is an intriguing matchup. I'm curious to see how this game turns out on Friday.
1: Yeah, they they came back on Tuesday from after being you know having a few days off, um, not playing against Hearn. So they have only you know three games of prep kind of going into this game. They are they are at home. So. Um, it'll sure be interesting to see how these two teams um, come together on Friday.
0: Right. We have talked a little Uh, bit about Cameron so far, but um, again, I think the thing to be watching is um, how that, how that run defense bounces back from, from the Belleville game where Belleville kind of had their way uh, running the football. And now you're, you don't really get a break because that's what Franklin does is they run the football. Like I think they may, you know, pass the ball like three times a game, maybe, and it all and it's always to get. You, it's always to catch you off guard. It's never really part of their plan, as far as you know. We're going. This is something that we're regularly going to do. It's we're going to try and surprise you with it, uh, so that you know the one time we pass, it's an eighty-yard touchdown. Uh, so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of a lot of keeping your keeping your eyes on your gaps, manning your gaps, making sure that you don't overrun plays because, again, that's, that's the thing about Franklin's offense is they don't just run. They have, like, five fakes on every play. Even after the ball's been handed off, the quarterback is still faking things and, and running around. So, like, it's – you covering them, I don't, I don't know how you saw it uh, in week one, Alex, but, the you know, the one or two times in my time here that I've covered – Franklin, it's it's a real hunt for the football when, when you're following the play.
2: Yeah, binoculars are a must if you're trying to keep stats. You know, they'll they'll get their two backs and they'll have a third right behind the quarterback and misdirection, fake handoff. I mean, quarterback fakes it, rolls right, following the lead blocker. I mean, you, you got to pay attention. It's You have to be very disciplined uh, defensively when you're playing Franklin because one false move and they're busting up 10 or 15 or maybe more.
0: Uh, and so we'll keep it with you, Alex. You're going to be at Bremont and Milano, another or intra-Brazos Valley, excuse me, matchup. Um, and another, uh, another bit of a head turner with Milano after a big week one win. I think they beat Valley Mills by quite a bit in week one. They kind of get the tables turned on them. I think they got shut out by Marlin, twenty-one to zero, and now they get Bremond, who seems to be playing a little angry after that week one upset loss to to Normandy.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we were all kind of surprised by Normandy's big win. I think we thought Bremond was going to win that one. Um, Milano, they had a they had a hard time last week against Marlin. Didn't really get anything going on offense. They were shut out um josh millar he's kind of the lone bright spot at running back he's rushed for over 300 yards this year 100 yards in each game but that's it you know get something going and it doesn't get any easier this week they're playing on the road against bremon it's homecoming normally the homecoming game is one that you expect to win so bremon expects to win this game you know kazowski jeff kazowski bremon's coach and milano's coach chad lagrone they're old good friends they're right down the road from each other. So we'll, we'll see, uh, we'll see how it fares for Milano, but Bremont looked pretty stout last week picking up against Axel. They won by 38 points. It was the Bremont of old that we expected to see. So I expect the Tigers to probably continue in that same pattern this week.
0: And we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. I think, Uh, Now that that kind of brings us to, you know, depending on depending on who you ask, uh, either Cameron and Franklin would be the game of the week or this one, Lexington and Rockdale. It's going to be it's going to be a battle. Um, I mean, that's all there is to it. In my opinion, there's I think there's three three Division One Power Five recruits on the field, Uh, possibly more, you know, if you consider some of the young guys that that young talented guys that, that those two teams have as well, that might eventually get some of those types of offers. But right now you've got Cameron Valdez running back for Rockdale, Keyshawn Raven, Rockdale wide receiver and, and Jared Kerr kind of the do everything guy for Lexington, uh, play some DB plays some running back catches passes out of the backfield. I think last year, I don't know if he's done it this year, but last year he took some snaps, um, in the wildcat at quarterback. So, um, All all guys with SEC offers, um, all guys obviously Power 5 offers as well because SEC, but a lot of talent on that field. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, even with the quality defenses that those two teams put on the field, I wouldn't be surprised at another 54, 41, or maybe a little closer, like, you know, 49, 48, 45, somewhere
1: around there. Yeah, it's for sure going to be high scoring. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Um, Two big powerhouses on both sides. Kobe Mitchell, like we mentioned earlier, is doing a great job coming in for um, Robinson um, this year. I'd be surprised if he didn't have a game similar to what he did last week. You know, five touchdowns, 260 yards. Um, Good guy. Him and Dansby seem to be kind of working well together. I know Dansby had quite a few um, touchdowns outside. I don't remember how many, but he was a good target for Mitchell, um, it seemed, last week. Um, but then you have Kerr on the other side of the, the ball. So, um, like, you know, like you said, Jeff, it'll, it'll be a powerful game. Um, I'd be surprised if it wasn't very high up there, um, like the Belleville and Cameron game was last week.
2: Yeah, this is definitely an exciting <laughs> matchup. Um, definitely curious how how uh, Jared Kerr is able to fare against Rockdale's defense. You know, he's definitely going to be the focal point of their attack trying to stop him he has run wild on everybody that he's played this year so far so and and last year and last year (laughs) in seven games
0: I think he had 1400 yards or something crazy like that
2: yeah the this guy is the real deal and this is going to be their biggest test yet though and um what Jared Kerr is able to do against that Rockdale defense
0: and uh, luckily for Kerr he's he's not alone out there Lexington has a a, a history of having some pretty dang good offensive lines and this year they got another good one uh and it starts up front of this at center with Juan Lara um who's you know been that guy for him for several years now um and it's kind of the the leader of that of that line kind of deals with a lot of the communication on that line as well and I know that he's kind of a focal point for you know what they do offensively maybe not where the football goes obviously but I think it. I think it kind of starts with him uh, and, and that line, and they also have Sheldon Springer at quarterback, who's maybe not maybe not the biggest name of of the quarterbacks in this area, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was by the end of the season. Uh, he's been been a starter there since he was a freshman. I think he's a junior now. Um, you know, the I think the only time I've actually seen him in person was at seven on seven. So obviously, that's not in an eleven on eleven with pads set up. But he looked good at seven on seven. Has a strong arm, um, and you know, I know they're excited about him at quarterback, and he knows the offense. So it's not just Curry. He's obviously the headliner, but it, I mean, there's talent all over the field on, on both of those teams. And I, I mean, that's why it's, that's why it's two teams uh, that are ranked in the top 10 of their respective classifications. Uh, I think, I think uh, Lexington is seven in two, in three, a division two and Rockdale six in three, a division one, I believe. Um, So, you know, these are teams that have state title aspirations. Probably you would consider them more dark horses uh, for, for the state title because, you know, six and seven. Um, but, you know, obviously they have the talent to get there. They have the talent to be there. Uh, and we saw the last two state title, state t- titleists from this area didn't come in as the favorites. They, they worked their way up through the season, that being 2017 Rockdale, 2017 College Station, They came in and and they beat the power teams. And so, you know, this is a chance for both of these teams to play at, play another team at that level early in the season. So I think, I think that's, I think that's what you're looking at this weekend is how those two teams deal with playing teams of their caliber before they get the district. Um, And so that pretty much wraps up what we got. What other area matchups are exciting you guys before we go?
1: Um, Iola is playing for the first time this season after canceling their first two games um, because of COVID. Um, so they're coming out. They're, you know, I talked to um, Coach Bamberg today. They're excited to, to, you know, start. I think it's been a long two weeks for them in quarantine, and they're so ready to get um, to get the game started. Um, I think it it might be like Liberty was with Madisonville. They're fresh. It could go either way. Um, but you know, Love Lady's projected to win by, um, more than 20, um, but Love Lady hasn't won this season. Um, so that's a game that I'll be looking out for to, um, kind of see how Iola comes out, um, in their first game of the season. Uh,
0: yeah. And in, in that same vein, I think, um, Dimebox is, Dimebox is kind of in that same boat as well, because, you know, they're starting their season this week against Prairie Lee. Um, kind of always scheduled that way. They did start practice a couple weeks after um, most of the other 1A to 4A teams in the state. So um, getting a little extra six-man action um, in addition to Calvert already playing. Uh, So that's always good. Um, But I think uh, Dimebox is interesting because they kind of burst onto the scene last year. First year as a program, not competing for – you know, to make the playoffs or, or for any championships, they kind of played an outlaw schedule last year and had a lot of success. I think they went four and one. Um, and you know, they're missing Ray Gilbert, who graduated, uh, so they don't have him back. But they do have almost everybody else back. A lot of experience at quarterback, uh, running back, uh, and in the secondary on defense as well. So. Uh, looking, they're looking to build. And I think they kind of have the perfect setup for that because they're in, they basically took Calvert's place in Calvert's old district, which Calvert completely dominated Um, three teams that were not nearly as good as, as Calvert. And I think Dimebox will kind of take Calvert's role in, in that district, maybe not being as good as Calvert, but I would not be surprised if they ran the table in that district. So, It'll be really interesting to see how they get this season started against Prairie League. And I think that's going to do it for us here on the Eagles high school sports podcast. We'll be with you next week uh, to talk about all the stuff we got wrong about week three uh, and then hazard some more guesses about week four. Um, and as well as um, other 5A, 6A news, I bet we'll be looking you know, forward to that week's scrimmages and, and what what those teams want to get out of those before the season starts for them the next week. So lots to talk about next week, and we'll see you then for more football here on the podcast. Thanks.